It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10 this evening. Thank you, Brother Bobby. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at let's begin there in verse 32. Now we've mentioned this before. We've kind of been on a three or four week study here of receiving from God because the Lord spoke to me supernaturally and told me that He's trying to get some things through to some people here in this church that they're going to have to learn how to receive. How many want to receive something from God? Well, you need to. God wants you to. He's paid the price for you to do it. Now, you also have to understand that down here on the earth, there's a great resistance to the kingdom of God, the things of God. This world's system is a resistance to it. In your own flesh, there's resistance. In your mind, there's resistance. But the good news is that God's given us all the tools to break through, through all of that so that we can receive from Him on levels we never thought possible. You just, got to, you just got to decide to do it. Like we've preached before and talked about, you've got to have a great big want to on the inside of you. The problem is too many people try to develop that want to in a crisis. Amen. You know, they, they try to develop a want to for healing when they get a bad doctor's report. They try to develop a big want to for prosperity, uh, you know, when they go in the hole financially. Well, it's too late then. You ought, to be, you ought to be developing that want to right now. You ought to want to walk in divine health. Instead of just being healed, you ought to want to walk in divine health. Instead, instead of just getting a, you know, a check in the mail to, to pay off your next two or three months' bills, you ought to have a great big want to in you to have a divine flow of financial blessing in your life. You just got to want to bad enough. I said you got to want to bad enough. Now listen to me. If you want to want to, here's what you're going to have to fight. Number one, you're going to have to fight complacency. What complacency does, it takes you out of focus. Amen? Because if you can't focus on the things of God, then you're going to lose your focus, and that's going to cost you. And so many people, they just live their life kind of out of focus to God, and then when a crisis arrives, they really want to focus in on God, but then they find it so difficult to do it. But listen, much of what God wants to do in your life is preventative. I said it's preventative. It's to keep you out of that trial, keep you out of that trouble, keep you out of that tribulation, keep you out of that temptation. So much of what God wants to do, He does because of His great grace and mercy toward us because He doesn't want us going through that junk any more than we want to go through it. Amen? It amazes me sometimes uh, why, why people go through what they go through when they don't have to. They just go through it and just bless God, put their head down in some old stubborn, prideful, you know, uh, uh, way and just take every blow. Boom, boom. Everything that comes at them, boom. And at the end of the day, they're nothing better. They're nothing better. The pain's still there. The hurt's still there. You know what happens? They learn to live with the misery. The misery conditions them to the point they just learn to live with it. Well, I've just learned to live with it. Well, not me. I said, not me. Jesus paid too big a price for me to be free from it to just learn to live with the misery of some situation. That, now, that, that produces the apathetic part of it. Where you just, you're apathetic towards the, well, I don't know if God will ever do anything. Anything will happen. I've just learned to live with it. Well, why learn to live with it if you don't have to? Now, now verse 32, Hebrews chapter 10, it says, But call to remembrance 
the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Now, I believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews because of the language. If you're a student of the Bible, you'll, you can kind of tell when, when one per person's uh, 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 handprint is on something. And it's, the Apostle Paul obviously is in this. So it says here, now notice again, after, everybody say after. After you were illuminated, ye endured a fight. A great fight. How many remember right after you got born again? Anybody remember that? Right after you got born again, what happened to you? A great fight took place. I mean, the devil didn't want you getting saved. devil didn't want you getting filled with the Holy Ghost. devil doesn't want you finding out about prosperity. devil doesn't want you finding out about the power of God. He wants, you, he wants you weak and defeated all your life. That's what he wants. So the enemy began. I'm, I remember my own life. I, I got right with God and began to serve God. And man, I'm telling you, those first six months was hell on earth. I fought the devil. I didn't even know what I was doing. I mean, I didn't even know what I was doing. The enemy came at me through people. The enemy came at me through circumstances. The enemy came at me through situations. And the enemy came at me supernaturally. You say, what do you mean supernatural? I'd wake up in my room at night, and there'd be dark entities in there and smoke in my room that fell, smelled foul. And I'll never forget just staying in prayer, fasting, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's all I knew to do was read my Bible and pray in tongues. That's all I did. I didn't know how to bind. I didn't know how to lose. I didn't know nothing about the name of Jesus. All I knew to do was pray in tongues and pray in tongues and read my Bible and pray in tongues. And one night I remember laying in my bed, and I thought, I don't know how long I can do this. And I put my hands up, begin to think. Thank God I was free. I'd gotten a little bit of teaching. And I'm telling you, it smelled like in my room somebody had come in there and sprayed the sweetest perfume I'd ever smelt in my life. And that darkness lifted out of my room and all that smoky gunk lifted out of my And I never had that problem again. It never manifested in my room again. But I was in a fight, and I knew I was in a fight for my life. Let me tell you something. Some of you don't realize tonight, you may be in a fight right now, but that fight may be for your life. I said, it may be for your life. That's why you need to be willing to fight it. Amen. I like it. Let's, let's do the Amplified. I'm going to read in the Amplified. Verse 32. But be ever mindful of the days gone by in which after you were first spiritually enlightened, you endured a great and painful struggle. Now, I'm going to go ahead and keep reading in the Amplified. Sometimes being yourselves a gazing stock, publicly exposed to insults and abuse, and, and distress, and sometimes claiming fellowship and making common cause with others who were so treated. Now, literally, he's saying this. Listen, when you got saved, they didn't make everybody happy. People called you crazy. So you, you mean you're a tongue-talking, holy roller Christian now? Oh, I mean, I mean, remember that when that went on in your life. Those were the pressures that were brought against you because you made a decision to be born again. And the problem is that the resistance that God put in you was stronger than the pull for you to go back into the world or you'd be back in the world already. But now you sit here in church on Wednesday night. Why? Because that, 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 that desire to serve God is stronger in you than the desire to go back in the world because righteousness is stronger than iniquity. And forgiveness is stronger than the trespasses that you've ever, all the trespasses you've ever committed. Amen. 
So, you know, people talk about, well, you know, get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, start walking in faith, everything's going to be fine, all right. That's not true. You'll be in a fight the rest of your life. But the good news is it's a good fight. It's a fight of faith. What makes you think that not living for God does not put you in a fight? Do you think not living for God is going to exempt you from all the problems of life? Do you think not living for God, the enemy won't attack you with some disease? You think not living for God, you're never going to have any financial problems? You think not living for God, you're never going to have any problems in your mind? Just the opposite. There are multitudes of people out there today who are having all kinds of problems with their mind, with their physical bodies, with their flesh, with their marriages, and they have no answer other than the bottle or the drugs that they do, the prescriptions they take from doctors. And that doesn't do nothing but numb you. Come on, church. This is the only true answer. That's true answer. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, and then he writes here in verse 34, back in the King James, for you had compassion of me and my bonds, took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Now, this book written to the Hebrews or the Jewish believers at the time, many of them, once they began to serve God, were disowned by their family. They were thrown out of their houses, and they lost their possessions. And so Paul is writing to him. He says, don't worry about that. You've got something much better in heaven. Now, then, then the next verse, this is where we want to start tonight. It says in verse 35, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Now, now, let me read it in the Amplified. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. That means if you stay in there, you get it. If you quit, you don't. If you stay in there, you get it. If you quit, you don't. So what we said earlier when we were taking the offering, you're going to have to learn to do it God's way. You're going to have to learn to do what God wants you to do, and you're going to have to learn to do it God's way. And in doing that, everything's going to resist you. Your mind will resist you. Well, I've got a better way. Your flesh will resist you. The devil will resist you. This world system will resist you. You may have family members that resist you. I know some places in the world we went to for, for many years that when those people got saved, they had their funerals. Their, their, their family disowned them. Amen? But you cannot cast your confidence. Amen? Now notice the next, the next uh, scripture. If you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God. You might receive the promise. Now, what's before you might receive the promise? See, everybody loves the, you might receive the promise. That doesn't mean you might or might not. That means you will receive the promise. Amen. That you might receive the promise. But before it is, after, 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 after you have done the will of God. So where's all the resistance coming at? What's it coming at? It's coming at you doing the will of God. Everything in hell is resisting you doing the will of God. But everything in heaven is pulling for you doing it. And I got good news for you. A third of the angels may have fallen, but two-thirds didn't fall. And the name of Jesus is greater than any name in the universe. And God still sits on the throne. And Jesus is Lord. And the devil is defeated. But that doesn't mean he's not going to resist you doing the will of God. God wants you doing his will. Not my will, but thine be done. That's what he desires. That's what he wants. Now, 
the greatest tool the enemy uses against God's people is fear. But it's not just fear in its generic form. It's a particular type of fear. It's what I like to call the what-if fear. The what-if fear. What if, what if I tithe and it doesn't work? What if I have hands laid on me and I don't get healed? Well, what if, what if I read the Bible and pray every day and my life doesn't change? I, I, come on, how many know what I'm talking about? That is that beginning part of the resistance of darkness against your life trying to keep you out of the will of God. Because if the adversary can keep you out of the will of God, you will not receive the promise. But if you receive the promise, church, you get blessed, God gets glorified, the devil gets shown as being defeated, and life gets a whole lot better. Amen? Now notice that again. For you have need of patience. Everybody say patience. Now we touched on this on Sunday morning about how, uh, how, how we have to glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Everybody say patience. So I'm bringing this back up again. Patience is cheerful endurance with consistency in your life. Amen? Now, there, there are three unique things, and I'm going to just touch on this and, and go another direction, because if I don't, I'll stay on that all night. But there are three things. You need to have focus. Everybody say focus. Then you have to have, you have, to have consecration. You say, what is consecration? It's greater than, 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 a, than making, you know, just making a small, well, I'll give it a try. try to, no, consecration means sold out. Amen? And focus, an individual that can focus can, can come to a place of consecration in their life. A place of consecration is where you actually, you, you sell out. Have you ever heard that term before? You're sold out. That's it. I'm sold out. God tells me to go to Africa tomorrow. I'm gone. By the, when the sun sets tomorrow, I'll be on my way. God tells me to uh, go to my next door neighbor and, and bake him a cake. Then I'll go bake him a cake. Amen. Now, you've got, you've got focus. You've got that, the consecration. Then you're going to have to have discipline. And that's where many times we have problems in our lives. We do not have the focus we need to produce the consecration. We don't have the consecration we need to produce the discipline. Now you take that and you put that in an athletic endeavor. You know who gets to play in the big games? I mean, it's one thing to go down and play in a pickup game at the YMCA. It's another thing to be playing in the finals of the NBA championship. I think they have a game tonight. You know who gets to play? Those whose focused consecration and discipline has put them there. You know what they're doing? They're receiving the promise. What was the promise? The one made to them when they were in the seventh grade? The one that was made to them when they were in high school? The one that was made to, their, to them in college? If you have focus, if you have conse consecration, and if you have discipline, you'll play in the biggest game. Well, don't you think God has that for his people also? But fear tries to get a, well, what if? And that's where the devil will dog your mind with all kinds of thoughts of, well, it's not working. Well, well you know, you've been tithing for three years now, and you've never seen a breakthrough in your finances. Well, you've been, you've been speaking the Word of God over that situation, and now you haven't seen no change. And every time you go to church and, and get prayed for, then something else comes up, and, and this happens, and that. And look what happened to so-and-so. And look what happened to this one. And look what happened to that one. Listen, the enemy will keep you literally distracted from the good things of God if you let him. So you're going to have to resist the what-if fear factor. 
Amen. When I used to rodeo and ride bulls, there was a big what if. You know what it is? Got any bull riders in here? So you don't know the what if of bull riding. It's this. What if I die? Because it's very easily get very easy to get stomped to death in a rodeo arena. So you had to resist. Now you may you may find this interesting. You had to learn to resist the what if I die for eight seconds. And in that eight seconds, you could focus. And if you could focus for eight seconds, then you could overcome the what if. Because that's as long as you have to, no matter how tough the bull is, when the buzzer rings at eight seconds, you're done. Amen. But you have to overcome. Uh, we used to, because I had three or four guys I used to travel with, and we traveled on a circuit that was a high school rodeo circuit, and there was a semi-professional circuit that we used to follow. And you come into these small little towns in this area, it would have been Alvin, Angleton, West Columbia, uh, Bay City, um, um, a few others that we would go to. And there's always what we call the hometown hero, going to ride the bull. You know, been telling everybody for, you know, six months they were a bull rider. Went down, bought a bull rope, bought spurs, bought, but, but they'd never gotten on a bull. And you know, their parents and their girlfriend, everybody's up in the stands. And, and you go back in the bucking shoots, which is, is, is where real reality begins to come into play, you know. And they're back there with that white ring around their mouth. You know, can't spit, you know. I just, you know, and sometimes you have compassion on them, sometimes you don't. I remember helping one one time and I thought, man, you're in trouble. You know, you're in trouble. Just the best thing you can do when they open the gate, jump on the ground, you know. But what they were doing is they were trying to involve themselves in an activity that they were totally unprepared for. And they were doing it, I don't know, out of pride or trying to get some kind of recognition or some kind of this or that, not understanding that this, this is a sport. This is, a, this is something people have to be focused on. This is something that people have to have a consecration to and something that there has to be some discipline in. And you can't just step up to the, to the shoot and do it. It's not going to happen for you. Amen. Now, Christianity, people say, well, I went down to the front and I got saved. And, 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 and then what now? Well, what now? The what now that comes is the recognition of the opposition that begins to come at you because you've made that decision to, to be born again, to be a child of God. And you've got to understand that the enemy's number one tool against Christians is fear. Job said, Job's, Job's dilemma, you can't. Go blaming God on Job's problem. Job himself described the reason for his dilemma. He said, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. His fear drew the disaster upon him. Amen. Jesus told his disciples, let us go to the other side. He gets in the ship with them, and a storm rises up. He gets up and rebukes the wind and sea, and he turns to him and says, how come you ain't got any faith? How come you have so much fear? Didn't I tell you we're going to the other side? Every time we do something in Christ, in the Lord, obey His will, we're going to the other side of the will of God for our lives. And every time your adversary is going to raise up a storm. It's you that determine how long that storm rages and how severe it gets. We're all, we want to pray, God stop the storm. God says, I've given you the authority to do it. Now, go to, go to Isaiah. How's my time? Oh, I've got about 14 minutes. Go to Isaiah. Now, my, my, my favorite scripture on dealing with fear is in Isaiah 41. That's been my favorite for years. And I don't know who this may be for. It 
can be for all of us for preventative measures, but somebody in here is dealing with fear. And it's, it's in the arena of basically selling out to God because you have too many unknowns, too many what-ifs. Amen. Uh, a friend of mine was, uh, had a conversation with, a, with a, one of his peers in the ministry, and a, he was asking him all these questions, and, 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 and you know, he's, this guy was telling him all, to answer, you know, answering everyone. So finally he came to the conclusion. He said, you know, he said, you, you, you seem to have an answer for every question, but the problem is you ain't heard every question yet. And that's one of the keys we have to understand is we haven't heard every question yet. So therefore, every answer may not be relative. What is relative is the answer you need now. You ever needed an answer now? A word from God now. And the Bible says what now faith is. And in order to get that answer into your life, there has to be that reception of the word of God to where it becomes a rhema in you to the point you're willing to do what? Say and act on it. Because without saying and act on it, then your faith is dead. But anything you'll say and act on, then I guarantee you God's going to back it up because he backs up his word. And true faith is not the absence of fear. True faith is obeying God even though fear may be telling you not to do it. You just have to learn how to respond to it and how to act on it. Now, in, in Isaiah 50, 41, excuse me, 41 verse 10, it says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Now notice, this is God speaking to me. Everybody say, God speaking to me. Learn to take the word of God personally. Fear thou not. Why, God? Why should we not be afraid? Number one reason, I am with thee. That's under the old covenant. This covenant, we can say it like this. I am in thee. Everybody say, God's in me. Say, God's in me. I want fear. God's in me. Now, notice what he says. Fear thou not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Now, you got to get this. This is so simple, we miss it. I am thy God. So, he's number one. How do you say it in Spanish? El numeral uno. He is. He's not the man upstairs. He is God Almighty. So when it comes to ranking entities, personalities, peoples of who they are, there's one that sits at the head of it all. That is God, Creator. Amen. The one that creates, the one that com uh, that continues to to uh, 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 to produce, the one that continues to keep it all in order, the one that continues to do all that He does, keep it, keeping the sun coming up in the morning, going down at night, keeping the sea. That is God. God, He is your God. Now, how many have ever taken time to really just to meditate on that and really let that sink into their spirit? He is, he is the creator of all that is and was and will ever be. He is Elohim. He is God Almighty. He is the three in one. He's God the Father. He's God the Word or God the Son. He is God the Holy Ghost. Not only that, He is my God. He's not just with me. He's in me. He's the God in whom nothing is impossible with. He's the God in whom it is impossible for him to lie. That means every word that comes out of his mouth is truth, and it's pure truth and truth alone. Come on. 
He can cause the rain to fall on the parched ground. He can cause the rain to fall. Uh, he can cause the storms to rain on, on the fire and put it out. He can do anything. There is no impossibility when it comes to my God. Nothing over him. Nothing intimidates him. Nothing. He's not worried. He's not afraid. And the Bible also says he doesn't slumber or sleep. So you might as well get some. Amen? I am thy God. Now listen to this. I will strengthen thee. Who will strengthen thee? Who will strengthen thee? God will strengthen you. Now if you're going to get strength anywhere. Amen? Get it from God. God will, that means He will literally give you divine strength. The, the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and through the whole family of heaven and earth His name, that He would grant me to be strengthened by His power and might in my inner man. That is God's divine strength and power coming into human flesh. What can you do with the strength of God in your life? Well, you can certainly get through what you're going through. Well, you can certainly stand in faith. Well, you can certainly focus and consecrate and, and have discipline in your life. You can do all that God is calling you to do with His divine strength in you. Some of you right now, that's what you need. You're getting weary in well-doing. You're getting weary in that what you're doing, which is connected to your spirituality and to your life. Your flesh is trying to take you over. Your mind and emotions are trying to take you over. You need to rise up and begin to declare, God is my strength and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Ha, ha, ha. I will strengthen thee. I will uphold thee. What does it mean to uphold something? If this pole started to fall, and some of the men that knew about construction said, man, we better hold that till somebody knew something. Uh, several of us men have to do what? We'd have to hold on to it so it won't fall over. Now, how many don't want to fall? You don't want to fall. There's something that holds you better than anything else in this place. It's better than Gorilla Glue. I hate to get that stuff on my fingers. Amen? But listen, God says, I will do what? That means at the point in which you feel like you're going to fall. You ever been there? Where you feel like, I'm going to fall. This thing, I'm going to fall. I'm, I'm fixing to fall financially. I'm fixing to fall uh, physically. I'm fixing to, God says, no, you're not. He says, no, you're not. You're not going to fall. I'm going to uphold you. I'm going to uphold. I'm going to prop you up. Lean on him. Lean not to your own understanding. Lean on him. He says, I'll uphold you. Everybody says, he's upholding me. Now, I like this. I will uphold thee. All right, Lord, how are you going to do that? I'm going to uphold you. Now, notice what it says. With what? Right hand of? Did you know that's a person? I said, that's a person. That right hand of his righteousness has a name. Jesus. He said, I'm going to take my only begotten son, and I'm going to use my only begotten son, who is the word of God, who is the source of all creation. When I spoke, let there be, he was the one that let there be. 
and my spirit's involved with him, causing all that I say through him to come to pass. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your Lord, who is your Savior, who's the author and finish of your faith. He's your healer. He's your prosperer. And I'm going to use him, and I'm going to let him push on you so you will not fall. Mm-mm-mm. Now listen to this. I'm going to flip over to the Amplified now. Verse 11 in the Amplified. Behold all they who are enraged and inflamed against you. Now, first of all, there are not a bunch of people out there inflamed and enraged against you. There's a bunch of devils out there inflamed and enraged against you. Now, when this was written, when Isaiah wrote this, it was people against Israel. Now, it's, your, it's the principalities, the powers, the dominions, the devil, all that stuff. Now, listen, listen. With that in mind, think of, think of it like this. Behold, all they who are enraged and inflamed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Amen? Now, you know the number one character trait of your adversary, don't you? It's pride. So all his little devils go out with their assignments every day, all full of pride, thinking they're going to defeat you, which is really funny to me. Because they really never defeat anybody that will stand on the Word of God. I've always said this. Uh, the, the, the devil's a dumb devil, and he's not a winner. Don't let you be his first victory. Amen? Don't let him be your first victory. You don't have to. But now, they go out with an assignment against your mind, against your physical body, against your finances, against your family. But they need to return how? In shame. So I went out there to that island church bunch, you know. And man, I'm telling you, I hope you don't send me back there in a while because I like to beat my brains out. Send me somewhere else. Well, why? Because it didn't work. I was not only put to shame on my way out of there, I left confounded. Where'd they learn all that about who they were in Christ? Where'd they learn all that about the authority of the believer? Where'd they learn all that about standing on God, standing on the, where'd they learn all of that? Come on, church. Now, I like this. They who strive against you, those demons that push on you, that strive against you, that come against your mind, that torment you, shall be as nothing and shall perish. Oh, you ought to, you ought to get excited about that. I mean, God's dealing with your fears right here. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. They who war against you shall be as nothing, nothing at all. Now, this is, this is, this is where you're going to have to get, if you get nothing else, get this tonight. This is where the enemy wants to stimulate fear in you and use fear against you so you will not do the will of God, so that you will cast your confidence, amen? That's what, he, that's what his plan is. So if anybody's unaware of his plan, that's his plan. He wants, to get, he wants you to cast your confidence. He doesn't want you doing the will of God because he knows if you do the will of God and don't cast your confidence, then you're going to receive the promise. That means what has been promised you, something promised you already belongs to you. You're just getting it to you through faith. So he knows, he knows, if I can stop them there, I got them stopped. Now notice, notice, he says, all who strive against you shall be as nothing 
and shall perish. You shall seek them who contend with you. All the little devils contending with your mind, your flesh, your finances. They war. They try to drag you into the war. They who war against you shall be as nothing. Nothing at all. Now, here's the point. You have to see things the way God sees them. I'm not putting down anybody's situation, problem, or circumstance. I've been there. But God does not see it as a problem. God sees it as nothing. You got to get that, church. Uh, now, preacher, they're just trying to some kind of weird mind over matter. No, no, no. You've got to see yourself as God sees you, and you have to see a circumstance as God sees it. And when you look at a circumstance, the enemy wants you to take what God calls nothing, and he wants you to make something out of it. Because he can't do it. You say, why can't he do it? He's not a creator. You are. He knows you can create it. And man, I'm telling you, if you'll just kind of look back over your life at some of the things that you've done that were, you know, when you weren't enlightened, when you didn't have the, uh, the Word of God the way you do now, and, and a situation that would arise in your life, and you'd start giving it expression through your voice, expression through your emotions. Uh, you know, you started acting out the situation, the problem. Oh, I don't think I'm going to. And exactly what happened, happened. Because you took what God sees as nothing and made something out of it. Amen. Some of you right now, I'm telling you this by the Holy Ghost, you got a mountain of debt in your life. But the way to get it out of your life is to begin to look at that debt and say, it ain't nothing. In the name of Jesus, I'm getting out of debt. I don't know who that's for, but that's somebody. The Lord just spoke that to me by my, into my spirit. you got a mountain of debt in your life, and you're looking at it, and it's always been something in your life because you've made something out of it. You need to begin to declare God, Jehovah Jireh, over your life. You need to begin to tithe. You need to begin to offer. You need to begin to target that debt, and you need to begin to speak to your mountain and say, be removed in Jesus' name. This debt ain't nothing. It's not going to take me out. It's not, I'm not going to lose my home. They're not going to repossess my cars. I'm not going to go into debt and live in debt my whole life. In the name of Jesus, debt be removed. You've got to do that. You've got to do it. You've got to make active application. Active application. Active application of the creative words of God to your circumstance or situation. Or the enemy will take what God calls nothing and he will use you to make something out of it. That's why I always get, I always kind of bristle at people that come up and talk about my cancer or my arthritis or my tumor, my this. No! Don't use your words to create. That which God does not want you to have. On the other side, use God's words to do what? To create what he says belongs to you. That's why he gave you the word. The word in your mouth causes the creation process to take place. He's just looking for people down here to speak the word, to speak the word, to speak the word. You say, why? Because then he can unleash the Holy Ghost. He can cause the Spirit of God to begin to move and bring into existence what his word says, just like he's done from the beginning. It has not changed. Now, let me close. My time's up. One more scripture real quick. Verse, what is it there? 13? 13. For I, the Lord, I'm reading the Amplified. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. 
I am the Lord who says to you, fear not, I will help you. Now let me read it again. I'm going to read it in King James. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. So if you don't get anything else tonight, go home saying this. Somebody says, where'd you go tonight? Say, I went to church. What happened to church? God spoke to me. What did he say? He said, take my right hand. I'm going to help you. Amen? Take my right hand. Everybody say, take my right hand. Now, see, that's the hand of authority. Take my right hand. Take my right hand. I'm going to help you. So, first of all, in order for that to happen, you can't have a hold of God's hand and be looking around at everything. Oh, my debt, my physical problem, my family problem. Oh, my. You got to have a hold of him, and you got to be what? Focused. Because if you're focused and looking at him, then you're going to hear when he says, I'm going to help you. And some of you need to hear that word right now. God is saying to you, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help. After this service tonight, your help begins. Your help begins happening tonight. Everybody say tonight. You say, why? Because you made a decision to grab the right hand of God. And you're holding on to God's hand. And you're doing what? If he's got a hold of your hand. If you ever watch a little child go through a crowd with their parents. When the, when, the, when the crowd presses in, they're kind of walking with the prayer. They're kind of like looking around at everything. And then they find a place where they get intimidated. You know, they, 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 the size of the crowd or the place that they're at. And immediately when that intimidation factor hits them, a child will quit focusing on everything and look right up at mom or dad. And off they go with mom and dad looking at them because they know it's the only way I'm getting out of here. Now, your God is your what? He's your very own heavenly father. He's your very own heavenly father. And you need to get a hold of his hand. You say, how, now how, what does that mean to get a hold of God's hand? Literally, I mean, I do it sometimes physically. And I'll walk around in prayer like this. Lord, I got a hold of your right hand. Oh, I'm looking up at you. I'm focusing on you, Lord. I'm seeing you in the word. I'm seeing you in my prayer. I'm seeing you doing this. I'm seeing, listen, I'd rather look at the little bitty thing that God may be doing over here that might seem so insignificant than the great big thing the devil may be trying to do and destroy me. Because I know to focus on that is going to get me through it and cause all that to stop. So you focus on the word. You focus on him. You focus in prayer. You see your hand in his hand. Amen. And brother, you double your grip. You say, what do you mean double your grip? You worship God. You praise God. You thank God. You keep your hand as His, and you never let go. Because He'll never let go of you. He'll walk you through a lifetime. I said He'll walk you through a lifetime saying, fear not. Because what, kind of, what kind of day are we living in? What kind of hour are we living in? We're living in a time in which the Bible says man's hearts will be destroyed for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. Even today, there's so much going on in this earth that if you focused it on it, you went home and started watching news, news uh, uh, show after news show, documentary after documentary. Oh, you could talk about the drug cartels. You could talk about ISIS. You could talk about this. You could talk about that. I mean, I saw a guy one time, a friend of mine, I was, I was with him in a certain uh, a recreational uh, deal we were doing, and, and some ISIS uh, incident happened, and he was like, I got to get a gun. I got to get a gun. I got to get a gun. And I said, why? He said, did you see what happened on TV? I, if I don't have a gun, they could come to my door. I got to get a gun. Guy never owned a gun in his life. That wasn't his answer. He said, what do you need? You need your hand in the hand of your heavenly father. 
as you go through your life, this life, focused upon him, saying, thank you, Heavenly Father. I don't have to fear. You strengthen me. You uphold me. And I'm not going to let what you call nothing become something in my life. Amen. Lift your hands up and worship God for a moment. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. We exalt you in this house tonight. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your kindness, your mercy, all that you're doing in our hearts, all that you're doing in our lives. And Father, even this Wednesday night service, we take time to embrace your word and saying we will not cast our confidence. We shall not cast our confidence. Fear you have no place in our life. In Jesus' name. Now put your hands down for a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'll ask you a quick question. You can respond. Then we're going to pray a simple prayer and be dismissed. If you say, Pastor Rusty, I've been dealing with that fear factor lately. And the enemy has been intimidating me, trying to put apathy, complacency on me. But I am not going to have it in Jesus' name. Fear is not going to take me over. I I will be free from it and of it tonight in Jesus' name. If that's you, lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. Praise God. Many hands. Now put your hands down. Everybody stand on your feet. Now everybody say this with me. Heavenly Father, you are my very own Father. My Heavenly Father. Not just a God in heaven, afar off from me, but you live in me. You abide in me. You're in my spirit. You're in my mind through your word. In the name of Jesus, I declare, I will not be afraid. I will not be fearful. Fear, I speak to you. I say to you, you're not of God. God has not given you to me, but he's given me power, love, and a sound mind. Therefore, I will not make something out of nothing. Devil, you hear me in Jesus' name. Get out of my mind. Get out of my life. I take authority over your attack, over your power, trying to suppress the will of God in my life. Heavenly Father, hear my consecration. I will do your will. I will receive the promise. I will do your will. I will receive the promise. I will not. I will not. I will not cast my confidence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. A season of reward. A season of reward begins in my life. Begins in my life. In Jesus' name. Now worship Him. Now thank Him. Come on, take a moment and glorify God. Take a moment and glorify the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. I I, I just heard that in my spirit. How do I respond, Pastor, to a bad news report? You respond with the Word of God. You don't have to argue. The Word stands on its own. You don't have to talk someone out of the notion that there's something wrong with you. Now, did you hear what I just said? 
You do not have to talk someone out of the, no, uh, the notion there's something. Like if a doctor came to me and said, well, you know, uh, Rusty, you've got arthritis. I'm not going to sit there and argue with him. I'm going to say, well, thank you, doc, for that information. But I don't have it. I'm not going to possess it. I'm a believer. My faith is in Jesus. He's my healer. I thank you for what you can do, but my faith is in him. You don't have to make a fight out of it. You don't have to make a fight. I mean, financially, banker says, you're broke. You can say, well, it may look like that in the natural, but the Bible says, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And it also says that my Lord and Savior Jesus took my poverty so that I might through him might be abundantly supplied. Amen. You don't have to fight or argue the word of God. It stands on its own. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Thank you, Father, for tonight. Lord, as we do always, we declare protection and safety over Island Church, over all those that are here, those that may not be here tonight. We still declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We declare, Heavenly Father, whether we travel on the highways. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.